This is episode number 151, Working Through Adversity with Laron Barton. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Ads Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite all of our listeners to our upcoming call called Courageous Conversations. This is a weekly series that we started seven to eight weeks ago, where we host a conversation around the topic that matters most to us. If you are looking to get more connected to this particular community and yourself, go ahead and send us a message through our website to which we'll respond with all the details about how you can join any of the upcoming calls. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, feel free to leave us a review on Google, iTunes, or Facebook so more people can hear these inspiring stories. Now, let's get back to the show. Laurent, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Oleg. I really appreciate it. I am always uh, honored and blessed to be on someone's uh, platform to just talk. So thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. And thank you so much for connecting with me. Prior, I know you and I shared that conversation about the uh, Golden State Warriors and Chicago Bulls. (laughs) Yeah, man. Like, you know, um, I'm a Bulls guy, you know, Jordan, Derek Rose. I just like, you know, people are are, going to be seeing this video. You know, they may uh, take me as someone who is a a big Clay Thompson fan. And I, you know, not nothing against Clay, man. Like, I, I think he's an exceptional shooter. I think Steph is arguably like top two, three player in the league, but you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I'm a Bulls guy, man. I, I, mm-hmm. can't, no. I, I can definitely relate. I, I, so I'm a Pistons fan. Uh, I've been, uh, a- <laughs> like, uh, so my boy's like playing on your team though. Yeah. Uh, D Rose. Yeah. yeah. Like I wish like, man, he's so exceptional. Like I just wish like that they would move. I mean, like, is he a starter on there or, or is he still coming off the, the bench or? I think he was, I think the challenge that Derek Rose had faced was the injury that he went through. And because I remember him, I remember the 24, 23 year old version of Derek Rose. Unbelievable, right? It was one of those things where you just, you don't even know what you were watching some of the time. I I know, man. Yeah. He's just like, you know, he's the, one of the reasons why that I love D Rose so much is because he just doesn't stop, man. I mean, like he's the mm-hmm. kind of guy like so many setbacks and, and and he keeps coming and he believes in himself. And I think that a lot of people should really look at that and say, Hey, you know, this guy's had like multiple surgeries and, and he's still playing and, and, and he's still giving, he's still giving his all. And he just, you know, he's a man of few words. And, and I just, I, I just really like that. I just really like him as a person and as a player. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I never met him, met him before, but just what I've seen of him, just the way he carries himself and just, just how, I mean, dude, as, I mean, in my opinion, is the best layup I ever seen in my life. I mean, he just, you know, his style is so, um, it's, I wouldn't say high contact, but it's definitely like speed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so the fact that, you know, as you get older, obviously, you know, you kind of slow down a little bit. And so he's had to, uh, sort of, re- you know, reframe his style and, you know, he's still great. So I just, mm-hmm. I love him. 
I I think there's also a lot to be said about his story when it comes to adversity and because you got to think about it this way. And this directly relates to kind of the theme of, of our show. And that is in his case, he had this injury and almost every single person that you heard talk about his story counted him out. There's no way he's going to come back. This is it. This is the last that we've seen of him. And yet he did the work and was fortunate. I've never had enough. I've never had an injury like that. So I don't know what's part of that. Is it partially luck? You know, can you actually work through it and get to whatever level that you can come back to? Was there something else that's completely out of my perception right now that's involved, but he is truly that story that redefined all odds and came back and yes he didn't have the same standard of play right but he was still able to compete at such a high level absolutely you know bro like the uh do you like and 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 thank you for saying this you know like the the thing about d rose is 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 like he's such a great example of just resilience you know i mean like he just like you everyone's had setbacks everyone's fail everyone's you know I mean, it's like what LeBron James said about him after he had had the fifty point game. He he said, you know, even when Superman does doesn't doesn't have his cape on, he's still Superman. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you can get up. I mean, you know, you can be knocked down and, and it may take you a while to get up, but like once you, but like still get up, still keep moving. And you know, when I think about my life, I and, and when I'm going through like, you know, really rough, really rough times, I think about people like Derrick Rose who, and like this dude, he just doesn't know stop or, or quit. And so if he's able to come back after just myriad of just knee surgeries and leg surgeries, and he's still able to just fly, I mean, there's no, ex- there's no excuse, man. I mean, you know, you just have, you have to keep going. You know, uh, uh, my ladies and our friends said, you said, you know, Leron, 75% of it is just showing up. Mm-hmm. Just, just show up, man. And just, you know, and when you show up, you, you know, just let God or whoever you believe in just like God. You know, so. My dad actually reminded me of the same thing. He said, half oh, the battle is just show up. That's what it is, man. It's like, you know, you'd be surprised, man. Like a, a, a lot of times, like just, you know, uh, I love, uh, so my lady took me to see Hamilton uh, mm-hmm. you know, on Broadway. Quick story, like I never, I mean, like I, I didn't really didn't know what it really didn't know what it was. Like I, I just seen like, you know, Lucy Lou, you know, she, um, she saw it and I was like, okay, so, you know, I guess it's a big, it's a big deal. Right. And I posted on Facebook. I was like, Hey, I'm going to see Hamilton. Everybody's like, Oh my God, Hamilton. I'm, I'm like, What's the <laughs> I'm like, you're like, I don't, I don't get it. You dig? And so there is a, um, there's a great song in the, in the play. It says, I want to be in the room where it, room where it happens. And, and again, it just goes back to just showing up. So you want to be in the room, room where it happens. I mean, just, just get there, man. Like, and then you'll figure it out, you, you know, just, but just, but just getting there and showing up, that's, You've got mo- you got half if most of it made, and mm-hmm. that's what Derek and that's what Derek Rose shows, man. It's like you know, hey, you know, I'm still I'm I'm still here, and I'm and I'm and I'm able and I'm ready to like make things happen. So, mm-hmm. 
talk to us a little bit about your story and the different things that you just mentioned as far as the hardships and adversities that you faced throughout your life. What man, were some of those things, some of those things sure. that you went through? Uh, you know, like a lot, man. I mean, like I was, you know, born in poverty, uh, you know, my, uh, raised by a single mom, uh, you know, I have a stutter um, and, you know, I'm a little, and uh, so, you know, just like dealing with that, like, you know, dealing like with, you know, kids kind of making fun of the way that I talked, um, making, bless you, make, making fun of, you know, how I was sometimes, how I was struggled with words. And so, you know, having a handicap like that, Oleg, and it's sort of, it's uh, what this uh, Dr. Susie said, it's the, it's the invisible hand, handicap. You know, like whenever, you know, we think about disabilities, you know, we obviously think about physical and are just like outwardly, you know, uh, speech or, 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 you know, not being able to hear or, or, or loss of sight. But when you're not able to talk or enunciate or just pronounce certain things and when you're having a hard time, it can really Im- impact your, uh, your self-esteem, you know, um, there were times where it's like, I just, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to like talk to anybody, you know, I, I would, I would avoid certain conversations. I would avoid raising my hand up in, in school. And it just, I just came to a point, oh, like where I was like, look, you know, this stutter is, it's a, it's a part of me. It's probably not going to go anywhere because I mean, over 70 million, million people in the world stutter. And, and at the time there's, there's not a, there's no cure for this. Mm. And so I was like, you know what, look, let's just, let's just kind of get it together and let's just move forward. And so um, what had happened was um, during, dur- during 2012, uh, after Trayvon Martin had gotten killed, um, I started to really uh, uh, involve myself in, in the movement. And what I, mean by, what I mean by the movement is just, uh, you know, fighting racism, white supremacy in the, in, in the states, uh, you know, state-sanctioned violence from, from the police and things of that nature. And I started to, you know, people were, you know, I started to write and through writing, people were like, hey, can you come on this program? Can you, can you speak? And so, you know, at first I was a little hesitant because of my stutter. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say hesitant. I was just like more concerned about it. Right. And so I had a chance to speak at this church called Glide Church. It's a famous church throughout the world. It's uh, in San Francisco. And the first time I spoke, or one of the first times I spoke up there, it was horrible. I stuttered. I struggled to get a word out. I couldn't, it, it was just, it was bad. And I um, remember getting off the stage feeling just so defeated. And this, this guy, uh, forgot the name of the musician. He tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, good job, man. And I was like, dude, you're just doing that to, to make me feel better, but it's all good. And so I went home and oh, like, I'll, I'll never forget. I was like, I said to myself, I'm like, man, Leron, maybe the speaking thing just, just ain't for you, man. Maybe you're just not meant to speak. And, you know, I'm not a quitter. You know, I, you know, again, like, you know, I, I believe that, you know, get, you know, getting up and trying again, uh, is, um, is something that we should all do. And so one day I said to myself, I'm like, you know, Leron, you're not a quitter. We're going to get this right. And so I, I got another chance to, to, to speak there. And I just, I memorized this speech. I just, I would say it over and over and over. And one thing I did only was like, I, I prepared myself, I practiced. And so the next time I got a chance to speak in front of a, this audience, I did really well. I did much, much better than I did prior. And I said to myself, I'm like, look, you're not a quitter. This feels good. 
and from there I would just appear on podcasts that, you know, I like, I would stutter and, and I would, you know, struggle to say certain things, but it just didn't let, it didn't, it didn't prevent me from going from, from moving forward, similar to D Rose and his injuries. And so I got a chance to do a TEDx in 2018, which was about, I believe it was called overcoming my fear of stuttering. And, you know, that doing a TEDx was like, one, I'm sorry, doing a TED was one of my biggest goals in life. And I was able to accomplish that. And from there, Oleg, you know, people just been like reaching out to me. Hey, hey man, you know, you really inspired me. You know, you made me feel like that I can do anything. And, and that, man, to, to inspire people. You know, I, I believe uh, Nipsey Hussle said something, to, said something to the effect of the, the highest act of human or something like that he said was mm-hmm. is to inspire. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, are you familiar with that? Uh, uh, with that yeah. Quote? Mm-hmm. yeah. And so I believe that, man. I mean, we all can be like lightning rods or just be symbols for people. I mean, you know, um, one of the people that I, that I looked up to is, uh, is, is Kobe Bryant and, you know, Kobe, man, like he just so focused. And, and the thing is like, I'm not a Lakers fan at, at, at all, but just the fact that he's so focused and just so, you know, determined. And so I, you have to, your will, to, your will to see victory has to be bigger than your fear. And it's hard because there are times when you are not, when you're knocked down. Listen, I'm a writer, right? And so I'm submitting pitches and pieces all the time. I get turned down all the time, but I keep going because I have, because, you know, for one, it's my favorite thing in, in, in the world to do. And two, I know that I want to say something. Mm-hmm. You know? And so and you're like, we, we can't let people stop us from doing what we want to do, man. You know? mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to what you just mentioned as far as the whole impact. You never know who it's going to impact and you never know when it's going to impact them. A hundred percent, man. No, like, dude, like, you know, you never, you know, bro, like one, dude, like one thing that, that I, that, uh, that I learned last year, man, is that like, we, and we must move in a way that we are inspiring people all the time. Right. And so when I started believing that Oleg, like I changed a lot of things in, in, in my life. Like I was never like really like silly in public, but I was always really conscious of, of how I, uh, how I presented myself, you know, excuse me, like my next life will bother me. Um, I, whenever I'm on a podcast, whenever I'm on a program, I always try to do my 100% best be, because for, for two reasons, for one, Again, you never know who you're, who, who you're going to inspire, but also you want to give your best because you never know who's going to be listening and what door that can open up. You, you know, like when I started doing podcasts and interviews, I'd be like, well, this person only has two or two or three viewers or doesn't have a large, large audience. So I wouldn't dial in and, and give my very best. And it wasn't until I realized that not only am I in a privileged p- position and that people value what, what I'm saying to invite me onto this podcast. So I need to respect that. Mm-hmm. But, but, but also, man, this is, this is, um, this is part of who, of who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can have like a hundred great podcasts, right. But it's like, if someone hears like two or three and you're, and you're just kind of half ass and excuse, excuse the language, then 
then that's the impression that you know you're that you know you're going to put on and you can't be 100% on all the time but you can try and just at least give give the give great effort you, mm-hmm. like you know and and if and if you're if you're kind of bsing on this person's podcast man then like you're not really showing them the proper respect uh, that they deserve you know? mm-hmm. and i think to your point of the number of listeners what i've learned throughout my journey is that there's so much that's just unknown about podcasts from our end the people that host and that is one day we may publish an episode on a monday and let's say it gets 200 views Right. On Tuesday, we we may publish the same exact thing and it'll get fifteen hundred. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's there's there's no way of it's knowing. It's arbitrary, man. It's yeah. arbitrary. And I think you just you just catch people at the time at the right time for them. And Absolutely. you just you you have to, I think, accept that and know that hey, as long as you truly believe in the work and you're putting out there putting it out there with the best of intentions, then that's the best you could ever do. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. No, like, you know, just, you know, again, Oleg, like it just all, it just all goes back to just showing up, man. And just, you know, being present. Like that's something that I've struggled with throughout my entire life is like, you know, you know, be, you know, be present, be, be here. You know, like, uh, I would be with, I would be with friends and I'd be thinking about 30 other things. And it's like, you know, my friend Alicia called me out. She says, Hey, I need you to be present with, with, with me. And that's just showing respect. And so, when I, and so, you know, when I was in the process of doing the TEDx and everything, my, my lady has said, you know, I need you to be present for this, Laron, because this is not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I was present for the entire, uh, just months and just the, just the, just the, and the, uh, the entire program, you know, not only from just like the, excuse me, from the from the writing the speech, memorizing the speech, the, the preparation, like I was there. And so, you know, it, it just, it's not only a sign of respect, man, but it's like, you know, you don't want to miss something by, by thinking about something else. You, you dig like, just, mm-hmm. you know, and I have ADHD, you know, or, you know, supposedly. And so it's hard for me to kind of concentrate, but once I dial in, I'm, 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 I'm 100% focused. So. Mm-hmm. What do you think helped you with the stutter? Is, is it, because I've been trying to understand that for a while. Is it sure. more practice, more repetition that helps? Does it have to do something with the confidence of your voice that helps you work through different elements of it? Or is there something else that you have found through your experience that has helped you go from where you were to where you are today? You know, man, um, you know, bro, that's an interesting question, man. Uh, for me, what is, what has helped was, um, me taking breaths, you know, right before I'm getting ready to talk, take a deep breath. Uh, I'm talking slower mm-hmm. and also just not really caring if, if I do stutter. I guess that's, that, that was the main thing because, oh, like I wasn't really worried about if, if I did stutter, I was worried about people's reaction to my stutter. Right. Mm. So I didn't want people to be making fun of me to be looking at me crazy. So that's why I was so just, you know, hesitant to, to just talk. And, you know, if anyone knows me, know, knows that I just talk forever. I'm, I mean, like, you know, like, you know, my lady's like, she's like, God, you know, sometimes, you know, you, know, you, you just can't be quiet. I, 
I think, I, I, think, I, I think she calls me like chatty, uh, chatty Kathy. So, like, you know, like, but you, but it's just, it's not really worried about, you know, if, if I stutter, because look, I have a stutter. I'm going to stutter. Like I've, I'm going to stutter today. I'm going to stutter tomorrow. I stuttered yes, yesterday. It's like, it's not really caring. Like just, you know, one thing I, I want to say to people who do have stutters and, and stammers is it's like, if, if you stutter, right. And if someone makes fun of you from that, then you don't need to be around that person because they're just basically making fun of your handicap. Like I know it's, it's socially acceptable to make fun of stuttering, which is sad. It's not socially acceptable for someone to be in a wheelchair, not saying that stuttering is on that level because it is not, but it is still a disability. And because it is a disability, people need to sort of take, take, uh, you know, keep in mind and I mean, too, I, I get messages from people who tell me, man, this is really ruining my life. You know, how did you over, how did you overcome the stutter? And I just tell them like, dude, I, I still stutter. Like to, like to this day, like I've studied this morning. I mean, it's just, it just happens, man. And so what I've had to realize is that it's not going away. And what I've done is that I have um, just realized, or I just said to myself, okay, this is not going to stop me from doing what I want to do, you know? And, and I think that you have to have that, you, you have to have that mind frame. And I think more than anything, it's just not worrying about it. I mean, yeah, you know, there are exercises that I recommend. I recommend uh, breathing in and, you know, taking a deep breath be before you start. I recommend talking slower so you can sound everything out. I recommend reading out loud uh, to, to yourself. So, your mind can recognize that, you know, this is a proper speed, but I also recommend just not really caring. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's gonna, it's, it's gonna happen. So, you know, you just have to just, you know, so are, you know, are you gonna let that like stop you from living your life or are you going to move on? Mm -hmm. How'd you do your TED talk? Did you memorize that or did you go from the heart? Mem mem memorize it. So the thing about the TED the TED experience is, is a, it's, it's an incredible experience. Um, I got a chance to, um, I got a chance to be partnered with a woman by the name of Mary Marshall Van Zandt. Uh, she's a incredible woman. Uh, she was my, uh, she was my uh, speech coach, like the, um, the coach for, uh, for the speech that I was, I was doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just a, just a really great, just really great person. You know, we, uh, we, fine tweak the speech you know i said my speech almost every day to my to my lady she was like yeah yeah that's yeah that's good take that out emphasize that and so like dude like i so i believe in repetition right mm -hmm. you know proper preparation prevents poor performance that's that's the five p's right like i you don't lose when you do that and so what i mean by that oleg is like you know, practice and study, 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 practice so much that you're tired of practicing and then keep practicing again. Like I would, man, like I would just be walking down the street and, and, and I would just, you know, like, you know, start, start reciting my speech because I was always thinking about it because see, here's the deal, right? There's no, there's, there's no paper. There's no notes when, when, uh, when it comes to Ted, there's mm -hmm. no monitor. You, it has to come off the dome. So if you give yourself two to three months of just consistently saying that speech multiple times a day, you will get it. Mm -hmm.
what you know but if you don't well you know you know you won't just like all right so i have a tedx coming up i'm 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 doing two more this year right so i'm doing one in september one in october so i got to memorize two speeches back to back i've never done that before but i'm going to start memorizing my speech in september like this week so you know it's it's all about giving yourself as much as uh, there's a term um, we use in in I in, in IT. It's a Wi-Fi term. It's a fade. Uh, it's like fade allowance, right? Mm-hmm. And so what that is, so what that is is that you're giving yourself so much time to just uh, to sort of over prepare, right? And so you know that's the thing. You know you have to prepare, man. You know so. I would just say if if anyone's going to do a TED man, start start as early as you can. Yeah, I I think that's a wise thing to pass on to anyone that's listening to the show. For me, I remember when I did a TED talk, it was um relatively similar experience. Sure. One thing that I struggled with was that there was a moment, in fact, how I opened it up was with a story about my birth mom and I struggled in telling that story because she's no longer alive. No, and I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know whether or not I was putting her in the best possible light sure, sure, sure. and her not having to experience. But I think there's a lot to be said as far as the five P's and really choosing to prepare as much as you can, but also understanding the amount of time that you may need in order to prepare can be different from someone else. And that's okay. Absolutely. You may need longer than a week. You may need longer than a Absolutely. month. Yeah, no, like, you know, that's, that's true. Like, you know, we all prepare differently. We all um, disseminate information. Like just the way that we take in information is different. It's just for me, it, it's like um, one of my childhood friends, mom would always, would always, would always tell him when, when he was staying out late, instead of rushing to get home, leave at a certain time. So you're not rushing to, mm-hmm. because see, like, I don't believe in cramming for stuff. Look, every time that I cram for something, every time I've been just lazy, just at the last minute, you know, I let hubris uh, overcome me. I've, I've always failed and it's always came out sloppy. So when you're, so when you're trying to cram for that, for that exam, I mean, you know, the chance, I mean, for me, every time I've tried to cram, I've, I've never had a good outcome. So if you give yourself enough time, just like, give, just like give yourself like all this time, right. To just, you know, to maybe slack off a little bit to, you know, maybe not practice a day, but, but, but you're giving yourself so much time to where within these say, say like, I've got, a little under two and a half months, right? Mm-hmm. That's well, that's more than enough time for me to do this speech, you know, because I know what it takes to do a TED and I kind of know the speech now, but, 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 but just, I want to know it just so much to the, to the, to the point where like, I'm, I'm just tired of, I'm just tired of saying it. So give yourself more than enough, more than enough time, man. I mean, just when you, when you do that, um, you will be more confident. Mm-hmm. I want to take a slight transition from sure. the different things that we talked about and go a little bit more into what's happening right now Absolutely. in this country and what has been happening around the world for many, many years. 
And that is this conversation that we are having about race, injustice, right. inequality. And I'm curious to know from your perspective, why do you think it's difficult to have a conversation about race? Well, I mean, that all depends on who you, who, who you are, right? So mm-hmm. I'm a black man, you know, um, ADOS, which is uh, American descendant of slavery. For me, race colors my everyday existence. So there's not a day that goes by that I'm not reminded, nor do I think of being, of, of being black. You know, something racist happens to me every single day. You know, may not happen to me personally, but I'll see something or I'll see something or I mean, I'll read something or just, you know, someone will tell me something. Um, I think that black people, we're, so whenever we have a racial conversation with, uh, with, with white people and uh, and and let's and, and and let's just use that bi- let's use that binary since mm-hmm. you're white and I'm, and, and I'm black. Um, black people don't want to come off as the confrontational Negro, right? You know, like you know, we you know we don't want to come off as the angry black person. White people don't want to say the wrong thing or don't want to be reminded of the fact that race is the reason why is the reason why they are where they are today. Mm-hmm. And so, be, and so because of that, you know, the conversation never, never, really, never really gets off off the ground. Now, for me, I normally don't have a race. I, I really don't talk to white folks about racism for a couple reasons. For for one, it's not reciprocal. It's it's a one way ener- energy transfer, right? Mm. So it's like I'm not gonna get anything out of it. This it's just me, just kind of. Uh, expending energy and two it, it it's 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 kind of like oleg um it's kind of like re-traumatizing every every time right it's like i'm i'm just digging up like scars every time every time every every, every time and and if i can add a third one it's just that there's look black people since since i've been alive be uh before i've been alive black people have been singing songs marching writing movies writing books uh, you know, giving speeches about the same thing that we're that that we're talking about today. So I just feel like that, you know, the the problem with with the racial conversation is like it's always put on black people to to explain to white people why we need to be treated correctly. I mean, if you think about that, just from a, if you stand back and if you think about what I just said. I have to tell you how to treat me like a human being. Like that's kind of ridiculous. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I would be like, well, and I consider myself to be a, a pretty good, you know, I consider myself to be a good, a good writer. James Baldwin has said what, what I, what I said, but what I said before, Richard, Richard Wright, uh, gosh, um, you know, Tony Morrison, um, you know, Fannie Lou Hamer, uh, the great Malcolm X, like they've all said what I, they've all said what I am saying. And it's just a, like, it's like, I just feel like that white people need to do the internal work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, uh, like my friend, uh, uh, Aisha told me that this, uh, this weekend, she said, you know, I feel like that if white people did the internal work instead of marching and, and, and protesting, then things will be better. And, you know, I, you know, I totally agree with that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think there is a lot to be said in regard to what you just what you said as far as the internal work. One of the things that I've noticed throughout this time is that there has been such um, such a big emphasis on the action part. 
100%. But, but really, in my opinion, action, it looks different for every person, right? Okay. Not okay. everyone, I, I don't know if everyone has the capacity to um, make the changes like when it comes to law or whatever it may be. Right. But I think we, we can all take our own action, whether it's having a conversation like sure. this, reading a yeah, book, no. watching a documentary, spreading that message through the way that you understand it to the people that are within your sphere of influence. And it's, it's been interesting for me to also just learn about different things that I didn't know before. Um, and so I, I, I think the point that you mentioned as far as going in inward and choosing to have the conversations that maybe you wanted to have conversations about right. and not creating the, it's too, t- too difficult or I'll tackle this topic later on. Because I believe, in in my opinion, it's only as difficult as you make it to be, as far as right, having a absolutely. conversation. Um, absolutely, man. And and uh, I I think that one thing that that white people should should stop doing is just like stop asking black folks, yo, like what can I what can I do? Like, you know, we can't like we're out here trying to survive. You like mm-hmm. you know we're like it's. Look, Tony Morrison said said it best. You know, the uh, the the late the late great Doctor Tony Morrison said, "I can't be the doctor and the patient." Right. So what? So what? I took from what she said is that I can't tell you how to treat me and have me survive at the same mm-hmm. time. Because see, you have to understand. Understand, it's like I'm I'm black, so I so I have to think about everything that everything that I do is from the perspective of someone who has to think about race. So if I'm thinking about that 24 seven, right? I mean, it's just the most ordinary things such as, okay, which grocery store do I, uh, do I go, do I go, do I go to, um, you know, which, uh, which, which bar do I go to? Which school do I apply for? Like race is always right in front of, in, in front of me. So, I mean, there are other white allies out here who have who have done the work to sort of take that responsibility take that take that burden off of black people there's groups that you can join there's this there's surge uh i believe it's uh it stands for showing up for racial uh, justice that's like you know talk to some of your more progressive friends i mean just like this whole thing about like well you, well, you know, teach us about race. I'm like, no, like I look, I don't, I don't admonish any black person for having those conversations. I believe we, we, we all, we all uh, manifest and we all deal, deal with race in very different, very different ways. Mm-hmm. I just don't have those conversations. Like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not a teacher. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I'm, 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 I'm just trying to survive here, man. I mean, like, you know, it's, like at some point the responsibility has to be taken off of us and put onto you guys because if because if we don't then we're just going to be spinning around and around and around you're like we're going to be like just you know like those uh those merry-go-round rods mm-hmm. they, they they never go forward or backwards they're always they're always spinning so that's where we are that's where we are now and it's going to take someone to say hey you know what Let's stop burdening black people with, with this. Let's get our stuff together, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think there's, I had a conversation like this with another, 
friend of mine, her name is April. And one of the things that she mentioned was from her experience, she didn't want to be in this role. She didn't want to be in the role where she's educating other people about what it's like to be black and the things that she faces as far as, you know, fears or just everyday things, um, everyday activities. And, and one of the things that she mentioned was that for her, it's a choice that she's making in order to help other people understand what she might be going through. But what I, what I took away from that conversation was that it doesn't have to be everyone's choice. Right. Right. Not every person is responsible for teaching someone else about, just like you said, what it means to be a human and how they're living their lives. Those that choose to step into it. Awesome. Those that don't, it's, it's their choice. uh, Yeah. That's their choice. Hey, uh, Hey, you know what? That's your, uh, that's your choice. That's how you feel. Mm -hmm. Right. But I mean, like, you know, it's, uh, it's not my choice because what I have to do, Oleg, is not only do I have to survive in a world that just hates me, but I also have to set a, I also have to help those that are coming after me and, and prepare them for this world. So we only have so much time, so much, so much energy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like the, you know, like the pieces that I, uh, that, that, that I write, you know, my, you know, my speaking engagements, I, you know, if you get something out of it, that's, that, that's cool. Like I'm, I'm not here to beat people up. I'm just here to talk about my experience and hope that illuminates the world. And I hope that it uh, inspires other black folks and just other folks period to just, you know, tell their story. You, mm-hmm. you, you, like, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, it, I, again, as I said earlier, I try to move in a way that I inspire that that I inspire people, but I only have so much um, so much energy and just me explaining how to be a better white person is just not something that I that I want to nor do nor do I do. Mm-hmm. One thing that you mentioned about your writing and the speaking and, and all the stuff that you're doing, do you have anything coming up that people can be a part of in your workshops? Yeah, like, um, um, so you know, like what I'm doing right now is like I'm, I actually started this started this 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 project. Um, well, like I would like to know, and 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 this is like, and this is a, a good faith question. Like, mm-hmm. why why are there so many white people like engaged in anti racist activity now? So what I'm doing is I'm collecting answers, and I'm getting there. There there've been some really awesome questions. There, there's been some really I'm sorry. There's been some really awesome re- responses. And so what I'm gonna do is not only am I'm gonna write a piece, Oleg, but I'm also going to create a video where I'm going to read off and I'm going to discuss some of, some of these answers. And I'm, I just, I, I find it fascinating. You like a friend of mine, he told me, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was talking to him about it. And you know, John's a very wise man. And he said, you know, Leron, don't ask why for whom the bell tolls, just, uh, just accept it and run and run with. It. And I thought that was so profound. I was like, damn, that's, that's, that's right. It's, it's one of those things like, why ask why? You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, you know, I think a lot of us, man, we're, we are very, it's a very confusing time for a lot of us, just especially for black people, just seeing like just an, an outpouring of white support. And we're just, we're confused. We don't really know how to hold it. You know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? We're like, thank you. But it's like, why now? What took you so long? And will this, 
dissipate. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm working on that. You know, like I said, uh, the two TEDx's and just, um, you know, I got some other cool stuff coming up, man. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really, um, I'm really hoping to, sh uh, hoping to share it with everybody. You know, this is, you know, this, this year has been, this year's felt like 10 years. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, at least it's, it's been, it's, it's, it's been six months and there's been so much stuff that has happened. And so I'm just hoping to uh, stay positive, stay productive and stay healthy. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of growth. I think that happened within the year of 2020. I mean, the different topics that we've engaged in as far as conversation and definitely it's, it's been fascinating to be a part of, and just my, my concern is maybe similar to what you just expressed is that, do we go through them too fast? Right. Do we go through those topics just like that? Because if you kind of think about it, I mean, we had conversations about coronavirus for two months, right? Right. And then boom, all of a sudden that conversation was almost gone. Right. And then we started to talk yeah. about race and inequality yeah. and injustice. So I mean, the coronavirus has like, and I just want to just uh, emphasize this. It hasn't went, hasn't went away. Do, do we haven't even got to the second wave yet? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, people just, I mean, you know, Oleg, it frustrates me that people don't want to follow simple directions. Mm -hmm. Like, this is going to save you. Like, my fiance and I, like, we don't walk out the house without a mask ever. Like, gloves, masks, like, we just, we don't want to get sick, man. And I'm, I'm just like, I just, I don't want to get sick. And, and I work at a hospital. So I, you know, I have to be very cognizant of things. And I just feel like that, yes, you know, race is the topic to talk about. It's always been a topic, topic to, to talk about, but mm -hmm. let's not forget that this coronavirus, I mean, I mean, just thousands of cases a day. So we can't, you know, you know, keep, you know, we we can't lose sight of that. We have to be, to keep focus on being, on being healthy. We can do two things at once, man. Mm -hmm. Why do you think in your opinion, I don't even know the best way to phrase this question, but we move so fast from one topic to another. Um, man, this, so it's a lot of things. So I believe social media, I, I think technology, I think the way that we consume news has, has a lot to do with it. Um, I think that, um, just the way things are presented, you mm -hmm. know, I think that um, news is the way news is now is it's 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 all about sensationalism. It's all about clickbaits. It's 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 all about lightning topics, right? And people also get fatigued. Like people are look, man. Like we've been under shelter in place since March, right? March first week of yeah. March. Right. And it's like, you know, my lady and I, we go out maybe once every other day. I mean, like he like you know, every other day and people are, people are tired. People are just tired of this. And the fact is, man, like, again, we, we haven't, we haven't hit the second wave yet. So we don't know when this is going to end. And so people are just tired of this and they want to move on. But unfortunately, uh, there is, there's no end in, in sight, as I said earlier. So we need to be cognizant that just because it's warm weather, that doesn't mean that the coronavirus, see, I think people always say it, it can't, ha you know, it won't happen to me, right? Mm -hmm. You may not know somebody who, 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 who has it, 
but it's real. It will, it will happen to you. And, and so it just frustrates me that the people are not taking it as seriously as they, as they should. I mean, if we were more, uh, if we were more, um, stringent about the way that, that we operate in this space, then we, then we have a resolution much sooner, but um, but unfortunately people feel like that it's infringing on, on their rights. And because mm-hmm. they feel like that they want to buck the system. And it's a, it's a very individualistic, uh, way of doing, of doing things like, gosh, um, like mother Teresa once said something to the effect of the world is the way it is because we forgot that we all belong to each other. Right. And I look at the coronavirus sit, sit, situation. It's like, well, if we just practice social dislike fam, like, like Malay and I, we were out taking our cat to the vet Saturday, Saturday, right. It was mm-hmm. a day outside and we dropped, our kitty off and we're looking around there's no one, there's no one social distancing. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. Like, I mean, it's just, it's totally individualistic. And it's just like, well, we could like, we could be here. We could be at the same spot next year. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is because people just don't think that it can happen to them, man. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you know, be, you know, because of that people, there's a saying where I saying where I come from, you like, uh, people don't think water's wet. And so, you know, next year, you know, we, you know, we could be, we could be right here. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do agree with you. I think that statement is true as far as, in my opinion, what I've learned is that many of us don't see the impact until it happens to you. Absolutely, man. Bro. And unless it, it, it truly is not a problem, unless it becomes a problem for you. And I think that's when we can, that's when we, it's almost like we, wake up and see that right. oh this is a thing this could right. change my life in x y and z way but until that happens it's just it's not a thing it's not no. a problem it's not it real it doesn't matter mm-hmm. people don't care you know what mm-hmm. i mean and, and you know because of that oleg like i mean just it frustrates me because it like things like this could be con- con- controlled, but 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 see, there's so many elements. We have leadership that is just beyond incompetent. It's just it's criminally uh, negligent of a lot of things, you know. And we have people that don't believe that. Oh, oh, it's just a it, it's just a con by the government. And I'm just like, you guys, man. Like, I really wish you when so. I, I go like I'll never forget this as long as I live, man. When the coronavirus first emerged, when we first started to get, when when it when just the awareness started happening, right? I was at a hospital, and I mean I I'm not exaggerating. I saw a medical professional walk into a room with a hazmat suit on, and I said, "Damn, this shit is real." Excuse my language, but that's when it hit me. Like that's when I knew because I had never seen that kind of uh dress i mean when you when you work in it in an or you know you have to wear scrubs just things to not have germs but this guy had a shield on his face mm-hmm. like just has just a hazmat like suit on and so that's when it hit me i said oh okay this is real because you know we you know we never seen something that you know like someone told me oh Oleg's like 
we've never been in a position where one thing has affected everyone throughout the entire world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't like, look, man, it's, it's to, to, to everyone that is doubting how serious this thing is. This is not a government conspiracy. This is real and it can kill you. So be smart. Mm-hmm. What's the best way that people can connect with you? Yes, sir. You can find me at www.laronbarton.com. That's L-E-R-O-N-B-A-R-T-O-N. Um, I'm on Twitter at Mainline Laron. I'm on Instagram at Laron L. Barton. I'm on LinkedIn, Laron L. Barton. And I'm quasi on Facebook. Not, uh, not, not so much, but yeah, no, like, you know, connect, connect with me, you know, send me an email. Um, I'm always looking for a good, for a good conversation. Just no, just no nasty grams. Let's just keep it peaceful and PC. So yeah, let's just, you know, um, and PG to be honest with you. I don't really like cursing. (laughs) Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on Facebook, iTunes, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring stories. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.